Welcome back to Springs of Life Camp, and thank you for joining us from Hotel Hill in Patrick Springs, Virginia. In today's episode, we are joined by Deb Aguilar for our next session in our six-part series from the Armored Ladies Conference. With over two decades of ministry experience, Deb serves as a licensed counselor and uses her platform to help people regain hope by developing the skills needed to persevere and overcome life's trials. Listen in as Deb shares a part of her own story in armoring up in mental health to help break away from the strongholds that capture our minds. As I was praying kind of about what to talk about, uh, a couple of things kind of came to mind. And the first thing is uh, just as, as a caveat, that um, a lot of people think that counseling is completely separate from the Bible and from Christianity. Like it's two separate things. But the Bible talks about mental health over and over and over and over again. And uh, I love the fact that in recent years, there's been a lot of science um, that has backed up what the Bible says about mental health. And so I'm going to actually talk through one of kind of the, uh, the most well-known scriptures uh, talking about uh, mental health in the Bible. Um, and it actually goes with the theme of armor. So I'm super stoked about this. It's awesome. Super stoked. So I'm going to have you do something really quick for me. Okay. Okay. All right. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you, for you guys also uh, in Zoom, go ahead and close your eyes. I'm going to have you guys visualize something. So what I want you to visualize is a guy back in the Middle Ages sitting in his castle and putting on his armor. And so he's putting on his armor piece by piece. You know, he's putting the shin guards on, then he's putting the breastplate on, and then he's putting the helmet on. So really get a good image of that in your mind of what a guy would look like in a suit of armor. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to picture him sitting down and drinking a cup of tea. All right, you can open your eyes. Did that make any sense at all? Yeah. It didn't, not at all, right? Not even his arm. It doesn't, he doesn't. it's impossible to, right? Um, and so I'm going to use that kind of as the framework of what I want to talk about tonight, because I think so often... Um, we're taught, put on the, the armor of God and all of this kind of stuff. And then when it comes to mental health, we take a step back and we hide and we avoid because we're afraid to touch that. So it's like this, this, this guy in the Middle Ages in his, in his castle sitting there with his armor, just not doing anything about demolishing the strongholds that are in his life. And I think too often, we as Christians, that's what we do, is that we kind of sit back and we avoid really dealing with those things. So I'm going to kind of walk through, it's 2 Corinthians 10, um, verses three through five. And I'm gonna read it to you, and then I'm gonna kind of go back and, and kind of break it up bit by bit um, and explain a little bit kind of what I'm talking about. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you have your Bibles, um, we're going to be looking at verses three through five. All right. It says this, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, 
but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. All right. So right there, I should tell you, what? What is this talking about? The Bible's talking about our thought life? That's crazy, right? So often we talk about actions, right? We talk about, you know, doing the Christian thing. But the thing that is, uh, and when it comes to counseling, a lot of what I talk about is that our actions come from our thoughts and our beliefs, right? So we don't ever do anything contrary to what we believe in the way that we think about things. So for example, I'm going to use you again. You ready for this? Ready. Why did you sit there? Because you sat there. Because I sat here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why else? So that I could lay down on this couch. <laughs> Any other reasons? Um, it was an available seat. It was an available seat. Mm -hmm. And you wanted to be in the screen, right? Yes. And you so believed that it would hold you up. Like, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't have sat there if you thought it was just going to collapse. That's correct. All right. So what you just told me is that there were five beliefs that just led you to sit right there. Yes. What? I believe so I do. You believe so you do. Absolutely, right? So then let's take a look at the scripture and see what that's, what this says about this. All right, so it talks, uh, uh, verse 3, it says, for though we walk in the flesh. So what that's saying is we are here on earth. Though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. So, so often in our lives, we're so focused on actions. And we're so focused on, I've got to do the right thing. I've got to do the right thing. But what this is saying is that the war is actually not in the flesh. It's in our minds. And then in verse four, it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. I want to kind of break that down a little bit. So uh, I'm, I'm a bit of a Greek nerd. And so I went back into the Greek and I really kind of took a look at this to see exactly what this was saying. Um, and I think there's, the translation is good, and I went through a bunch of translations, but I don't think it really grasps exactly what Paul is trying to say here. So um, when it says that we have the divine power, literally in the Greek, it says that we have the power of God at our disposal. That we have the power of God at our disposal to destroy strongholds. And so this word strongholds, is, is it's, a, it's an interesting word. This is the only time in the entire Bible that this word is used. So we had to kind of go outside the Bible to Greek, extra canonical Greek, secular Greek, uh, different manuscripts to really get an understanding of what this word means. So when you think of a stronghold, what do you think of? Anything that holds me from, prevents me from doing something. Anything that prevents you from doing something. So in the kind of the secular Greek, this word actually was used most often to say prison. Well, yeah. <laughs> right? So what this is saying is that our weapon of our warfare, the power of God, destroys the prison that we put ourselves in. The prison of our thoughts, the prison of our minds. That's what Paul's talking about right here. And so in most Bibles, it has a period there. In the Greek, it actually doesn't. It has a comma, um, which I actually kind of think is very important because it talks about what this prison is in verse five. 
And it is, it says we destroy arguments. Once again, I feel like that's a bit of a mistranslation. It's not the full context. So that word in the Greek means um, belief systems, mm -hmm. right? So it's not just an argument. It's the way that we believe about things, the way that we see things, the way that we reason through things. So that is one of the strongholds in our life is that our beliefs can be a prison to us. Um, and then that's the first part. And then the second part says, we destroy these beliefs in every lofty opinion. This word is used twice in the Greek. The other time that it's used is in Romans where it says neither height nor depth. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And when it talks about height, it's talking about a thing that is insurmountably that we feel like we cannot overcome. But if we look at the scripture, what it's saying is that the power of God has the ability to overcome anything that we feel is insurmountable in our minds. Mountains. Right? Those mountains. All of those things. And so it is the beliefs in these insurmountable things raised against the knowledge of God. And so the way that this really, uh, to me, is, is just like this amazing thing is that the knowledge of God is, is freedom. It is uh, life, an abundant life. It is the fact that Christ came, even while we were yet sinners, and died for us so that we could truly live, right? That, that God is always with us. That all of that kind of stuff is the knowledge of God. And yet there are so often times that our beliefs lead us to not believe that, right? And so a couple of the things that I've really, really seen misbeliefs that, that people have um, that I work a lot with, um, I think probably the top one would be, I'm not good enough. That somehow in our lives, we develop this misbelief, this prison that I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good, en good enough. And then the second one that I see is that I'm not worth love. That I've had too many failures, too many mistakes. I'm not worth it. I'm not worth it. And I see these lies again and again and again. And people just, they're, they're, they're burdened by them. And, and depression and anxiety and fear and all of these things that people struggle with. Not recognizing that it is the power of God that brings us the knowledge of God. That he loves us just as we are. That we are lovable and we are good enough in Christ. And so then, this is how we kind of come to that conclusion. And we really kind of start to dig into it. And it's the last part of verse 5 where it says, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. And so when it talks about taking thoughts captive, this is really an interesting thing. So it is Paul flipping on its head kind of what, what we typically do. So typically, and I hear this often again and again and again, is that people don't think that they can control their thoughts or their emotions. They think that it is too much, that they're overwhelming and they just get to do whatever they wanna do. That's actually not the case, right? So that would be that stronghold, that prison that we put ourselves in is that we believe that we cannot control this thing, right? But Paul flips it on his head and says, hey, look, you're not a passive person at the mercy of these misbeliefs and at the mercy of these thoughts. 
You have the power, the power of God to take captive, to boldly go and take captive those things that are stopping you from living out the knowledge of God. And most often that's in our minds. And yet too often, like I said, because of fear, I see that people are too afraid to really address those lies that we believe about ourselves or, or about the world. Um, or that they're too afraid of pain. And so they go into pain avoidance or hurt avoidance mode. I don't want to deal with hurt. I don't want to deal with anxiety. I don't want to deal with these lies. I want to stay safe and comfortable instead of being forceful and taking captive those thoughts. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I, um, I think in a lot of times I don't, um, in those situations, it's, it's that fear of, or the unknown, not knowing how to take care of, how to seek God in those moments to say, God, you're in control. You can take care of this for me. You mm -hmm. can just redirect that thinking. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I've noticed a lot is that people don't know that their thinking stinks, <laughs> right? Is that they don't know that they're thinking Armin's beliefs. Right. They just know that they're feeling all sorts of things and they just don't they don't recognize, hey, look, the way that I'm thinking is causing causing me to live in fear. Right. And so uh, real quick, I'm going to give you guys a little a little framework with which to kind of look at this thing. And this is a framework that I use with most of my clients um, is where do our beliefs come from? Where do our thoughts come from? And so it's really kind of an easy four part kind of a thing. So we have an experience in our life. Most often it's in childhood or early adulthood. We have this experience and based on our perception of that experience and perception is this huge thing that I don't have time to go into. Um, but based on our perception of that experience, we develop thoughts and beliefs about ourselves, about the world and about others. And then all of our emotions and our actions come out of our thoughts and beliefs. So you have experience, perception, thoughts and beliefs, emotions and actions. And so what happens most often is that I see that somehow people had this bad experience in childhood that created this belief that they're not good enough or that they're unlovable or that um, because my parents split and separated, that must mean that I'm not lovable, that there's something wrong with me. And so we live out our childhood beliefs until we recognize them and address them. Uh, live them out day to day to day to day to day, not recognizing that, hey, look, there are beliefs that drive us to feel and do what we do. Just like there were five beliefs that led you to sit in a chair right here, right? There's beliefs that drive us all the time. And so really recognizing and gaining insight into those thoughts and seeing if our thoughts hold up to the knowledge of Christ. And if they don't, then we are forceful. We're not that guy in that suit of armor sitting there drinking tea, afraid. We're breaking down those prison walls. Doing so, what it was intended for. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, that's all I had. I don't know if anybody has any kind of questions, thoughts, comments. All right, cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so I'll kind of give you a, 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 an example. How about this? And uh, this is an example um, that I think kind of explains a little bit about what I'm talking about. 
So uh, I have a client who struggles with weight, um, runs eight to 10 miles a day, um, severely kind of watches what she eats and all of these kind of things. And as we are talking through and trying to figure this out, she clearly has a memory of when she was in first grade. And I guess when you're in first grade and you go to school, they weigh you to make sure that you weigh a certain weight or whatnot. And so she came home and she told her dad, hey, I weigh 72 pounds. And for her, it was nothing. But her dad was like, oh, well, that seems like a lot. Are you sure it was 72 pounds? Maybe, maybe we need to weigh you again. And in that moment, she created this belief that she could never be overweight. She created this belief that her dad would only accept her if she looked good. Right. And so now 20, 30 years later, she's still struggling of living out that belief. And so we've kind of gotten to the root and said, okay, we know what your belief is, is that you don't feel that you're good enough just by being who you are. And so we're working through and teaching her how to take those thoughts captive. And apparently we have a question. So go for it. Hey, can you hear me? I can. Awesome. So I was wondering if you would be willing to tell me um, some or tell us some uh, practical things that we can do to take captive those thoughts, you know, cause that, that's a phrase that I feel like is kind of tossed around in church. We read that scripture and we're kind of wondering, you know, what does that mean to take captive the thought? If we are, if we have developed this prison in our minds of, of these particular beliefs that, you know, are, have trapped us, then, then what can we do? What is a, a practical step that we can do? Uh, to change that thinking? Yeah, so the first thing I think you have to do is think about your thinking, right? So write out your thoughts so that you can actually look at them. Um, because when you see them out on paper and you get them out of your head, you're then able to rationalize them and put them up against scripture. When they're in your head, they're all jumbled and everything, but getting them out on paper starts you thinking about your thinking. So that would be the first thing that I would say. That way you can start to recognize when you have a misbelief come up in your head. And so when you have a misbelief come up in your head, one of the things that uh, a lot of my clients love doing is they know that they struggle with a certain misbelief, say I'm not good enough. So they will write out scriptures that say to the contrary and they'll put them all over the place. So that when they have that belief or that thought come up in their head, they're like, wait, no, I'm recognizing that this is a lie. This little cool little thing over here says that God knew me in the womb, right? That I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And this one over here says that when he created me, it was very good. And this one over here says, you know, that I'm the apple of his eye. All of these different things. The very first thing is that you have to think about your thinking. You have to start to be able to recognize when you're starting to um, to go into those patterns. Does that make sense? Cool. And that's something that's very intentional. Yes. So you can't, I mean, like for me, my mind just goes into all sorts of stuff. And, and before I recognize that I needed to take my thoughts captive, um, I just, my worries, my thoughts, everything that I feared always surfaced. And, and I, I found in my life that, that Satan liked to 
those times. When those things started surfacing, if I didn't immediately speak to the truth of it, what God really does through those situations, um, it only escalates at that point. But it, it is definitely an intentional, an intentional thing where you can't just let your mind go and, and think that you're going to come to that right answer. Right. Absolutely. And the other thing is, is I think a lot of people, and going back to something I said earlier, is that a lot of people don't recognize you. You get to control what you think about. Right. Right. So do me a favor. Think about purple elephants. Okay. Okay. Tell me about purple elephants. Uh, they're purple. They're large. <laughs> okay. They do have tusks in my thought. They do have yeah. tusks, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Where are they? Africa. They're in Africa. Mm -hmm. Okay. Any water around? No. No. Mm -mm. Okay. So what does it look like? It's just desert. It's just trees. Okay. I just made you think about purple elephants, mm -hmm. right? You intentionally changed your thought process. Right. So if we can do that just like that, then you have the ability to do that wherever you're at, right? And it really is, like I said, just thinking about your thinking, getting it out on paper so that you can start to recognize those misbeliefs and those lies. Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the most helpful things that you can do. Absolutely. And then the other thing, I don't know how much time do I have left. Okay. The other thing that I kind of wanted to talk about and something I alluded to at the beginning is that science is starting to back up what scripture says. So there is this whole new um, genre of counseling called neuroplasticity, which is this really big word. Right. But literally all it is, is that they have hooked up people to all these wires and done brain imaging scans and had people think certain thoughts and watch neurotransmitters light up in different ways. And they have recognized something is that we tend to have the same thought over and over and over because we get a very developed neurotransmitter from point A to point B. But then they had people change and intentionally think of a different thought. And they watched neurotransmitters form from point A to point C. So they were creating new neurotransmitters in the brain that created new emotions for the people. Because remember, our emotions come from our thoughts. And so the more that you think from point A to point C from that new neurotransmitter, it actually diminishes the size of point A to point B neurotransmitter. Hmm. Literally, you change the chemistry of your brain by changing what you think. It's pretty cool. Pretty yeah, cool. Absolutely. I believe it. I, I, I definitely have experienced it personally in my life. Um, I struggled with uh, holding grudges, lots of anger um, for a lot of years. And when I realized what I was doing and um, God got a hold of me and I, every time that angry thought or every time I would think badly about someone or something that someone had done, um, I immediately started thinking about what God thought about that person, how, how they're his child too. And, and that changed my thought. And then I started loving that person because God loves them. And so that personally helped me out. So I absolutely believe and I think it's amazing. I mean, why wouldn't science back up scripture? It's so cool, right? It's so real. It's so cool. That's right. Yeah. It's so cool. happy. I love it. Yeah. So I think uh, I think what we're going to do is go ahead and pray. Is that cool? That's awesome. I just want to spend some time in prayer if we can. Um, because I think this is such a, a hard topic 
to talk about and to get into, um, but I think God cares about our minds. Yes. Like big time. He created them. He did, absolutely. So let's pray. So Father God, thank you for just the opportunity to delight in your creation, God. So often it's such a, a scary thing to talk about emotions and hurt and mental health and our minds, God, because it's something that we don't really understand. Um, God, I just pray tonight that you will open our minds to be able to see, God, that you love us. God, I pray that the knowledge of God, of who you are and who we are in relation to you, God, will overwhelm us, that we will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are your children, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are good enough and that we are worthy of love, God. I pray against all of the lies that we have begun to believe about ourselves. I pray against the misbeliefs that we have gained throughout our lives, God, and that you will show us the truth. Lord, your, your word says the truth sets us free. And God, I believe that with all of my heart. And the truth is, God, that you love us and that you have created us and that you have formed us to glorify you. And so, Lord, I just pray that we'll be able to do that, Lord, that we, instead of sitting back in fear instead of sitting back in emotional avoidance god that we will uh, we'll take every thought captive god that we will move forcefully that we won't shrink back from the things that we struggle with in our minds god. and it's in your name that we pray amen thank you for joining us from hotel hill in patrick springs virginia you can learn more about the refuge and other ministry partners at alumni central on springsoflifecamp.org Please follow us on social media and subscribe to our pages to stay in the know from camp. Springs of Life Camp's outreach ministries is made possible by monthly donations and from your purchase of Springs of Life Camp's Creekside Coffee, available online and from a Creekside Coffee cup bearer near you. For general questions or comments and interests or suggestions for webcast interviews, please contact us at outreach at springsoflifecamp.org.